Katie Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Lent to all of you this March the 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody. I really encourage everybody, and we'll hear a little bit about it today, um, to look again at St. Patrick. You can even look on Lutheran satire and learn a little bit with a little bit of snark, but also he points the people and us to the light of Christ. And that's what we do here on Thy Strong Word, as the light shines on us from Matthew 20, chapter 23. You've heard it said, woe is me. You hear it quite a bit. It's kind of snarky word that we will say. Well, today Jesus gives us his last sermon to the religious leaders, and he says, woe is you. A sermon that you don't necessarily hear quite often, not something you put up on your kitchen wall to say, hey, look at the woes. No, it's something that points out the strong language in love the Lord gave to the people, the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and to us. So we pray today, Holy Spirit, lead us to repentance and the forgiveness that we have in Christ. So open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome Pastor Kyle Meetsner of Zion Lutheran Church in Anchorage, Alaska. Pastor Meetsner, happy Lent and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you. Good morning. It's great to be here. Yeah, Pastor. Uh, so is this is our first time together. I, I thought maybe you'd be our first Alaska uh, guest. However, Pastor Spratt beat you to it. So tell us about yourself, your family, and the work of the saints at Zion. Yeah, he sure did, you know, but um, I, I'm, I'm, you know, privileged to uh, lose that uh, distinction to my very good friend, Pastor Spratt, who is doing wonderful work and in Southeast Alaska. Um, yeah, so I'm the pastor at Zion Lutheran Church here in Anchorage, and uh, I've, I've, I've got a wife, Ellie. She is a, a deaconess. We met at uh, Concordia Seminary St. Louis. Uh, she was the only female in my Greek class, and um, we sat next to each other, and, uh, you know, there you go. That's that's how that happened, basically. Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. Um, uh, I have uh, three daughters, and um, they they attend a uh, German uh, immersion uh, elementary school here in Anchorage, which is just delightful. Um, yeah, what else do we want to know about? Uh, tell us, tell Alaska. us about your church at Zion Lutheran Church in Anchorage. Yeah, Zion is, um, it is, uh, we just came up on like 50 years a couple of years ago. Everything in Alaska is very young. Um, we don't have these kind of 100, 150-year-old churches um, like out on the East Coast or anything. My previous church was in Greensboro, North Carolina, and they were founded uh, in the late 19th century. And so they'd been there forever and, uh, you know, we'll be there forever probably. But um Hmm. Yeah, uh, Anchorage is an interesting city. It's 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 very uh, diverse and is very young. Um, and my congregation is also um, made up of uh, quite young people. Um, we have a lot of people in military and oil industry, and so it's also kind of uh, people are in and out um, all the time. But uh, it's a wonderful place to be, and you know I'm privileged to be here. 
Well, Pastor, it's a joy to have you on with us this morning, and and today is St. Patrick's Day, so I know you are w- wanting to do the the St. Patrick's prayer for us, but you want to just share a, a little bit about St. Patrick and the day that we celebrate? Yeah, so, um, I mean, what everyone knows about St. Patrick, right, is that uh, he cast out the snakes from Ireland, um, <laughs> and, and maybe you're going to throw in leprechauns and rainbows or something like that, too, but... Uh, uh, the the real story of St. Patrick is far more interesting than than uh, driving out snakes. Um, uh, Patrick was a, a, a slave. He was kidnapped and uh, he became a slave in Ireland. Uh, eventually had a dream. An angel basically led him to a boat and said, get into this boat and escape. Um, and he went off, uh, eventually becomes a a uh, priest and um the the story is that he eventually becomes his conscience is afflicted because he had stolen from his master because he himself was uh, worth um some amount of money and so he was he went back uh to Ireland to um evangelize the the pagans who he had been enslaved under and uh, one of the stories is that he actually goes back to his former master and wants to repay him what he had stolen from him. Um, and it's it's kind of just this beautiful thing. Um, but then the the owner, uh, the former owner, was so um, not open to forgiveness and reconciliation that he uh, shuts himself inside of his house and burns the whole thing down instead. Um and, and, it, and it kind of goes with what we're talking about today, the, mm-hmm. this freedom that Christ offers us that can even bring us back to those who had formerly enslaved us versus um, the restriction of the Pharisees that, that says, we just can't have things like that. Um, and, and it's no good. But uh, one of my other favorite stories about St. Patrick is he, uh, he was forbidden from celebrating the Easter Vigil which I don't know if you do this in your neck of the woods, uh, Pastor Finnern, but uh, it, the Easter Vigil starts outside with a big bonfire. And, and it's just this glorious thing. Uh, he was forbidden from, from celebrating the Easter Vigil. And so he went up on this hill in sight of this uh, local king and had like the biggest fire that anyone had ever seen. And uh, the hill is called Slain. Uh, which has also become a, a beloved hymn tune. Um, uh, we know it as uh, Be Thou My Vision. Um, it's also in our Lutheran service book. I forget what uh, hymn that is. But, uh, yeah, he's just a wonderful guy. Um, the If you've read Bede, uh, Bede's History of the English People, he goes on to talk about uh, all these great missionaries that also came from Patrick's work and uh, evangelize the rest of, of the British Isles, uh, people like St. Columba and uh, St. Aidan. Uh, just just wonderful, beautiful stuff there. Um, but uh, so, he also writes this wonderful hymn. Yes, go ahead. So, Pastor, let's get to prayer. I, I love it. And I Great. know you have the prayer, the breastplate of righteous, or the breastplate prayer. So let's get to prayer and dig into God's Word. Great. I won't use the whole thing, but um, uh, it is all worth uh, singing and praying. It's, it's mm. very wonderful. Um, so let us pray. 
I bind unto myself today the virtues of the starlit heaven, the glorious sun's life-giving ray, the whiteness of the moon at even, the flashing of the lightning free, the whirling winds, tempestuous shocks, the stable earth, the deep salt sea around the old eternal rocks. I bind unto myself today the power of God to hold and lead, his eye to watch, his might to stay, his ear to hearken to my need, the wisdom of my God to teach his hand to guide, his shield to ward, the word of God to give me speech, his heavenly host to be my guard against the demon snares of sin, the vice that gives temptation force, the natural lusts that war within, the hostile men that war mar my course, or few or many, far or nigh, in every place and in all hours, against their fierce hostility, I bind to me these holy powers, against all Satan's spells and wiles, against false words of heresy, against the knowledge that defiles, against the heart's idolatry, against the wizard's evil craft, against the death wound and the burning, the choking wave, the poison shaft. Protect me, Christ, till thy returning. Amen. Amen. Reminder to listeners, if you have any questions concerning Matthew chapter 23, which will be a fascinating text as we dig through, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or give us a call on this live program, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. Now, this text is is fascinating. I mean, it's one of those, like I said, you don't you don't quite put it up on your kitchen wall while you're enjoying your meal and invite your family over. However, it is just as important as something like the Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mount, other times that Jesus preaches and sermons that we hear in the scriptures. So I'm going to do this way because we have 36 verses to get through and we have seven woes to cover. So um, I'm going to do this, Pastor, is I'll just begin by beginning with verses 1 through 12. And then if you have any introductory thoughts, um, we'll come back and receive those at that time. So reminder to listeners, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version, reading verses 1 through 12. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, to so practice and observe whatever they tell you, but not what they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. They make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. And they love the place of honor at feast and the best seats in the synagogues. And greetings in the marketplaces and called, are being called rabbis by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So, Pastor, let's begin this way. You know, everything's in a context. And so we come to chapter 23. And any themes or um, background you want to share with us to begin? Well, first off, I um, I want to make sure that your phylactery is not too broad and your fringe too long. Um, <laughs> is it, I mean, is that safe to Go say? On. Well, I, you know, how about you tell us, how about you tell, right now, everyone's going to ask that because I had to practice that word a few times before we got to this. What is a phylactery and was he talking about fringes? Tell us about it. Well, yeah, so um, the phylactery 
Now, guess the Greek word phylactery. It's actually phylactery, and it's only used once. Uh, this is the only time that it comes up. Um, a phylactery is a little box, and you put a piece of scripture in it, and then you basically tie it to your forehead. Um, and then there's another one that you tie onto your left wrist, and there's these big, long leather straps uh, that, that hold it onto your forehead and onto your wrist. And, of course, this comes from Deuteronomy 6.8, which tells us to bind the commandments of the Lord upon our foreheads and upon our hands. Um, so we're going to have this whole contrast during this this whole entire reading about external versus internal things. Okay, so mm -hmm. um, are we doing things just to be seen, or are we actually believing these things? Now, um, so the phylactery. I mean, here's the problem. It's like. The Lord gives us this commandment to bind these commandments um, to our foreheads, to our hands, and to put them on our our our, uh, our door posts. And um, it, now, is that saying to actually put those things there? You know, it may be, and that's fine. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's also not saying, well, you just put that on your forehead, and then you don't have to worry about it anymore. So. Um, what these guys are doing, these Pharisees and the scribes are doing, they're, they're making sure that their phylacteries are bigger and their fringes are longer so that people can see how holy they are rather than just being holy. So, um, you know, we, we obviously don't use uh, phylacteries, but, but beware of the other ways that you may find yourself um, doing things only for external um, for the appearance of, of holiness. Um, Cicero um, is credited with this uh, Latin phrase, esse quam videri, which is also the uh, state motto of North Carolina. And uh, it's a, it's a wonderful little phrase and it means to be rather than to seem. And that is really what this is all about to be rather than to seem. And, and, and this is what these, these guys are doing. They're just wanting to be um, seen as being holy rather than actually being holy. And, you know, the thing is like, we all deal with this, you know, I personally don't wear a phylactery. Um, what else do I wear? Do I think that maybe wearing a, a clerical collar in public kind of gets me off the hook for something else? Um, or, or do you think that if you wear a cross or have a, a Jesus fish on your car, that that, you know, is, is the thing that gets you the holiness points? Well, these are helpful things, uh, but they are external. And um, we're actually concerned about, uh, about your heart. So, yeah, it is. There's this huge contrast here in this opening uh, portion about um, what Christ is doing, what the Pharisees are doing. You know, Christ comes and he says, hey, come unto me. Um, come unto me and you will find rest. But that's not what these guys are doing. They are tying up the burdens, making them even worse for people. All right. Um, now, there's another interesting thing here in Matthew 23, 3. He says, yeah, um, do what they tell you, but not what they do. For they preach, but they don't practice. <laughs> so there's this kind of wonderful thing, and we find this in the catechism as well, where the word of God 
is the word of God, no matter who says it. Okay. Whether it is uh, scribes with their big old phylacteries or um, Lutheran says, even if it's the devil himself, it is still the word of God. And the word of God um, has power that cannot be taken away by evil men or even, you know, like mundane sinners, probably like you or me. Um, sometimes people will, will find out that their pastor has been some awful sort of sinner and they'll wonder, was it all real? Did the baptisms work? Was the Lord's Supper really there? Was absolution actually administered? Because this man, it turns out, maybe didn't even believe this stuff at all. Well, it doesn't depend on the man. It depends on the word of God. And, and if we have the word of God there, uh, then then we can count on Christ uh, who who does come to, to relieve all of our burdens and to take them away from us uh, rather than to um, crush us with, with all of these things. So, yeah, anyways, uh, you can wear phylacteries if you want, but uh, just make sure they're not too big and that you think that that's like the point. Well, and, and that's really – I love how you broke that down because that is – when you read this, that's like the first thing that people think about. What's the phylactery? And the question for us is not – because you can look this up. I looked it up online too because I didn't know what it was. And then you see the pictures of it and you think, well, that's kind of crazy. But then there's stuff that anybody could look at what we wear and say that person's crazy as well. The point is not what does it look like, but the point of it is – faith. Are we showing this off? Like you said, it can be something as simple as a clerical collar. It can be a church that's promoting itself in an advertisement. And, you know, we're trying to say, look how good we are. And the whole time, what we're not doing is pointing to Christ. And also, he gives a little bit of an olive branch, like you said, to the to the Pharisees and saying, they're saying some good things. I mean, some of the things that they're saying is actually from the word of God. And so follow that, but don't follow what they're doing because it's just like the, the, the religious leader that stands up and says, Lord, thank you for not making me like him. And that's exactly how they live their lives, not in faith, but in um, the practices to try to show off who they are. Fringes that were long, meaning beautiful and flowing from their robes and the phylacteries that everyone could see. And, and this also calls us all out to um, repentance. So anything else, Pastor, On because it does get to the point where he says, but you are not to be called rabbi and, and you know, you're not to be called father. And I've heard that kind of as a like going against, okay, going against the Catholics now. And what is he saying by that? Because we're not trying to bash on one certain things, but he's he's getting a main point and he can, he's continuing with the rabbi and father talk. Yeah, and then in verse 10, um, the ESV has neither be called instructors. Uh, that's actually, the word there is basically um, leader. So, like, we're getting uh, all corners mm. of... of uh, kind of religious titles that, that we like, right? So rabbi, uh, teacher, um, father, and then, and then the leaders, you know, we're just obsessed with this leadership stuff now. Um, right. But here's the deal is that uh, if, if any of you think that you're higher than the other ones, then you are um, rejecting the brotherhood that the Lord has given to you. Um, and it's also worth noting that like, Paul goes on and talks about 
being a spiritual father and, and we have spiritual fathers and it's fine. Like, don't worry about that. Um, This is actually a gift that we recognize the Lord has given to us. Now I'll say that there is kind of one wonderful thing that I sort of love about um, the Lutheran way of, of doing church is that um, whether you've got, a pastor who has like 400 doctorates and has had, had, you know, a million years of ministry or a guy who was just ordained, um, you know, yesterday, we all wear the same clothes. It's, it's kind of nice. Uh, we don't, we don't really do, um, different ranks in the church. Uh, a pastor is a pastor and, and, and no pastor is more important than another pastor. And it, and I do think it it falls in with all this, and it's it's absolutely wonderful. We don't look to uh, our our pastors or our teachers for our salvation. No, we we look to Christ, um, and so mm-hmm. it, this is also, I think, very liberating for for pastors as well. And in this verse ten, neither be be called leaders. The leader in the word there, it's it's talking about someone who almost like a general takes absolute responsibility for everything that happens for those that they're leading. And it's like, well, no, that's, that's Jesus. Like you don't need to take the place of Jesus. And, and what could be better for those of us who, who are in the church and who actually have been given Christ? Like, I don't have to be Jesus. He is. And this is just, it's wonderful. It should be you know, two things with that, and that's a wonderful way to, to bring this back. Uh, all these titles, we can get too hyped up and say, "Okay, I never say the word leader. I'll never say this," and then we think we then we think we have it all figured out. Well, the problem is he's not saying, "Okay, here are the four words say, and you're good." No, he's speaking the heart you mentioned before that the the heart is to cling to the promises of Christ. So he's saying, cling to me. And that's why when we sing the hymn, Christ be my leader by night as by day, that's exactly what he's speaking about. Don't say that word, but who is your leader? And it's to be Christ. And who is your father? God the Father. Who is your teacher? It is Christ himself. And, And it just reminds us, he's calling us once again to faith. And throughout the gospel, I keep going back to Matthew 4:17, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that's a call, that's a promise, and he's 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 given that last sermon. I mean, think about the last religious leaders. And it and boy what a sermon it is. Pastor, we have about 2 mm-hmm. minutes left in our time before we go to break. So any anything else because he he ends this section if I can call it that, just talking about what it means to be a servant and what it means to be a Christ follower and exalting um, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Those are important words. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Um, your diakonos, uh, the greatest among you will serve you. And, and this is not, um, I don't think that this is an exhortation towards servant leadership or whatever. This is actually talking about Jesus and what he's going to do for you. Uh, this is not saying like, oh, okay, so you need to go and and um, call your church council the servant leadership council or something like that. It's like, no, this is Jesus. Um, 
he has become your servant. Um, he has become the servant of, of all people. And, and he came not to serve. Uh, he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life for, for many. And he is indeed the greatest among us. Because here's the deal, too, is like, you know, we're all prone to committing all of these sins that he talks about there, you know. Um, it's like when a pastor gets invited to to uh, give an invocation at the uh, state capitol or something like that, and 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 it mm-hmm. and it puffs up our egos a little bit, and we and we we do we do love the place of honor at feasts, don't we? Um, and so there is this reality that we we can't do all this, and indeed the greatest among us has become our servant, um, especially on the cross, uh, which we. Uh, have always before our eyes, um, especially during this time of the year. As we're about to take our break, one of the thoughts I had here too, Pastor, is that what if we had a followers conference? So the you know, Northwest District up in Alaska, the Minnesota North District says we have a followers conference that we're going to host. But right now we need to take our break. We are studying Matthew 23 with Pastor Kyle Meetsner, and we will be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back. We are studying Matthew 23 with Pastor Kyle Meetsner of Zion Lutheran Church in Anchorage, Alaska. And so, Pastor, I, I, we need to move forward. I mean, we have a lot of woes to get through. Um, we sure and, do. But it is, it, it's, it's a lot of, these are good words for us, first of all, to reflect upon, okay, how is he applying this to the Pharisees? And as Pastor, you've done so well so far, is pointing us back to ourselves. Like, wait, I am prone to this as well. So before we start just bashing, 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 time for us to reflect upon ourselves and Jesus's call, John the Baptist's call, the Lenten call of repentance before our Lord. So let's get to the, the, the woe beginning in verse 13. I'll read through 15. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Oh boy, here, here, here comes mean Jesus. I, we talked about that before the program. So, so what is Jesus telling the Pharisees and scribes? Um, one commentator 
um, says, and I quote, these are the most awful words that the lips of Jesus ever uttered. Mm. And that is um, so true. And it's just kind of, it's so shocking to me when, when we, when we come to things like this um, and when, when you guys sent out uh, uh, the request for, for signing up for a text and, uh, and I was just kind of scanning through all the things and, and uh, like, whoa, uh, no pun. Um, wow. I, I, I got to pick that one because that is, uh, I'd love to spend some time here with uh, kind of uh, nasty Jesus. Um, I did, there is a field trip that I really want to take to uh, St. Catherine's Monastery in uh, Mount Sinai in Egypt. And there, there's an icon of Christ there. It's one of the, the earliest icons that is still in existence. Just a picture of uh, Jesus, uh, the Christ Pentocrator. And there's this interesting thing in the, the icon. And uh, on, if you look at one half of Jesus's face, he looks, he looks kind and welcoming. But then on the other side, he looks um, foreboding and he looks kind of dangerous, maybe even angry. And so we do know that Jesus has these two sides. Um, and, and I guess like the question is, which which side are you on? And who one of the things here with all of these woes is that um, Jesus is warning the scribes and the Pharisees, and he's also warning uh, us, okay? Now, why does Jesus warn us? Because it's dangerous. Because these people are your enemies. And and Jesus knows that. You know, sometimes we just kind of have this rosy view that everyone is kind of basically good, and we forget that we have genuine enemies, specifically in people who uh, would seek to, uh, again, tie up the heavy burdens and and put them on us. Um, And Jesus is actually trying to, he's not trying, he is protecting us from our enemies here, okay? Um, At the end of this chapter, Jesus goes on to talk about how he would have gathered um, Jerusalem under his wings as a hen gathers her chicks. And um, there is, I, people who don't have chickens don't know this, but um, the, the hen will pluck out her chest feathers um, to keep her chicks warm. And then in the event of some sort of danger, the hen will will. Uh, envelop the chicks under her wings and and the people who have found um uh, nt wright uh this uh, english uh theologian um talks about this he there had been a fire in the barn and it was utterly destructive and it killed the mother the the hen but the chicks underneath were alive uh, mm. She had given her life for her children. And this is exactly what Jesus is doing. He's like, yeah, this stuff is dangerous. Okay. Mm. And he, he does not um, mince words here. He's, he's not like, well, guys, you might want to think about um, not doing these things. It's just like, no, woe to you. And as much as the Beatitudes are a statement of fact, so it is with the woes. Now, uh, by the way, our, our people all know the Greek word for phylactery uh, already, but uh, mm-hmm. they'll also know the word for woe 
I mean, you look at it in the Greek and it's just four vowels and, and it's basically, whoa. So <laughs> but it's, we're learning, it's like, we're learning a lot here today. A lot of Greek, a lot of Greek. Yeah. So it is the word. Whoa is really, um, it's almost a word of retribution. It is a word of disaster and calamity. Uh, and so this is, they are already, um, woeful, but this will also be inflicted upon them. Um, the enemies of God are real. And, and I think that's, um, you think about how often we're warned about antichrist, you know, um, wouldn't it be nice if it was just one antichrist and he had big like horns and, and a pitchfork and we could point him out really easily. Well, right. no, there's, antichrists and they're all over the place and uh and you probably even harbor some antichrist um tendencies in your precious little heart too but um but the first two woes here now i guess i'd note too in verse 14 you'll um our our astute listeners will see that uh verse 14 is missing um there was a a different reading put in there there's actually an eighth woe about them uh, robbing uh, widows' houses, but it was probably something that was an interpolation from the other Gospels. Um, so don't be troubled when you see the verses missing. Um, it's it's okay. Uh, we came up with the the n- numbering system <laughs> before we came up with um, the textual apparatus, really. But um, yeah, it, it is... It's so frightening that the scribes and the Pharisees, they're going to work so hard to get these people. Um, they'll walk across the desert. They'll travel across the sea for just one person. But then once they get them, they make them a, a, a child of, of hell as much as themselves. And it, it is, it, it's so sad, you know, and, and you was like, why are you doing this? Well, because they're enemies. That's what they're doing. And I guess the frightening thing is they might even think they're doing the right thing. And that's what's scary about about this is this very direct language, and it's so counter what we would consider to be, uh, scripturally speaking, the office of the keys, which opens a door to heaven. And and for those who are not repentant, it you know locks it, of course. But here it's like there's not even a key; it's a door they shut. They're not even inside the door themselves. You know, they're on the outside, and they're welcoming others to not go through the door to salvation in Christ either. And he says continuously, and we see it all the time: "You hypocrites." So it, it, put it this way: if this sermon does not shake their boots. It shakes my boots. As you said, we might have a little of these tendencies in our own hearts um, that if this does not make you shake in your boots, especially when we get to child of hell as yourselves, then I don't know if we are listening and definitely um, it should. Well, that just scares us as well. But these first two woes really bring us down to the focus, as you said about Jesus, when he's looking over Jerusalem that in love, Jesus is saying these words. He's not saying these words just to try to have more power. Um, he just got done talking about, you know, the servant, the servanthood of of Christ, really, and also his people. And and here we are receiving this understanding that he laments and he says this 
because he loves the people whom he is serving. Now, Pastor, I want to keep moving forward because I want to get through all seven, which would have been eight, I suppose. Uh, whoa, so 16 through 22. And, he, and it well, is important, too, ahead. because he does go on to kind of explain exactly what they're doing, too, right? The first two ones, right. you're like, okay, that's kind of like vague. It is. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Then he does. He does. Unpack he does explain them. He elaborates. Verse 16. And thanks be to God for that. Verse 16. Woe to you blind guides who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar is nothing, but if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath, you blind men. For which is greater, the gift or, or the altar that makes this gift sacred? But whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Now, Pastor, this is something that we, you know, you could easily get lost in the weeds on this because there's a lot of back and forth. So how would you help us out as we look at the, the the temple and gold and altar and everything else? Yeah, the temple is such a weird thing, isn't it? Um, when David asked the Lord, he says, hey, Lord, I got a really nice house. Thanks for that. Um, I'd like to build you a temple. Because you live in a tent, and we just can't have a God who lives in a tent, can we? And uh, and the Lord says, I didn't ask for that. I, did I ask you to build me a, a temple? Um, how much gold do I need? Come on. Um, right. Plus, David's got too much blood on his hands. He can't do that. But the Lord actually allows a temple to be made, not because he needs a place to live, but because we need a place to see where he is uh, and to be able to come to him. Like, that's... He is always, um, is uh, he's always meeting the people where they're at, right? They need to see something, and so he gives them something, um, which is the temple. But you know, like we do with everything, whether it's the uh, the uh, the bronze serpent, the Nehushtan, um, or whatever it is, we we tend to idolize every good gift that the Lord gives us. And the same thing happens with the temple. They're like, oh, well, uh, the temple is is so important, but we don't actually care about what goes on in there because we're too worried about um, th the gold in the temple, okay? So, and, and you think about churches that um, fight over money, and, and it really is, they, they've lost their way. They've, they've forgotten what this whole thing is about uh, uh, for our churches, for the, the preaching and the teaching and the, the giving of the sacraments, um, the place where justification is enacted and, and given to the people. Like, that's what this is all about. But they come and, and they say, well, well, it's actually about the gold. We want the gold. Um, yeah. Kind of a fun fact, too, in verse 17, he said, you blind fools. It's actually, you blind morons, which I think is kind of fun. But um, exact quote. I love it. And, yeah. and, and I, want, I want to say this, too. It, 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 it turns into this, and this is a theme we see throughout the woes, is a kind of, we like the shiny object. 
because that shiny object makes it look like we have a stronger faith or we have a stronger ministry or we, you know, it's, it's all oh, the temple. That's nice. But there's gold there. Oh, that's really nice. You know, all oh, the altars there. Oh yeah, that's fine. You made an oath, but Oh, what could, what could you put on that altar? Now the oath has more effectiveness or whatever it might be or more meaning. And we see that all the time in the church and us pastors are no, <laughs> we're not immune to that whatsoever. Okay. I want to do it on that date because this has meaning, or I want to do this with this kind of object versus something else, or I want to do it at that church versus the other church, or I want to, whatever it might be. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. It's good for us all to reflect after this is what is the main goal? Like you said, the, the sacraments, the the gifts, the, the word of God, that is who we are. If we're arguing over other things, we probably need to discuss them, but we have to come back always to the word and prayer and his precious sacraments. So, Pastor, anything else? We, we kind of have to keep moving here. We're running out of time a little bit, but anything else in 16 through 22? I know we got four left and... and uh... <laughs> Yeah, people's cross-stitch on the wall is not going to be complete here. <laughs> so let's keep moving forward here. Verse 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, in case you wondered if they were hypocrites. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Oh, my goodness. There's so much we could unpack here. But he's speaking of tithing. I thought, Pastor, I thought tithing was good. What's the problem? Yeah, so it's interesting. Tithing is only mentioned um, a few times in the New Testament. um, And it is Jesus condemning the Pharisees' practice of the tithe. Uh, and Hebrews also mentions it just as a like fact that this is a thing that <clears throat> we do. Um, but uh, yeah, here's the deal, man. These people are tithing mint, dill, and cumin, which it sounds great. You're like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know they had such wonderful herbs. But uh, they do that, but then they neglect justice and mercy and faithfulness. Okay, they ignore the great commandments in favor of the little ones. And we think about how much yeah. we do this too, right? Oh um, yeah. Do we have kind of grave matters of, of justice, mercy, and faithfulness in our world right now? Even, even things, you know, we, we look at Ukraine and what's going on there. But, you know, the truth is that you and me, there's really very little we can do about that. Um, but I guarantee you that you have a neighbor who you can you can help. Um, so, it, but it's it's really easy for us to do the little things: tithing the uh, the mint, the dill, and the cumin. Um, and you know what? And it looks good, and they smell good, and everyone's like, "Oh, isn't that nice?" Um, meanwhile, yeah. we have just ignored the rest of it, um, and it and it's not good that's the thing too is that jesus isn't just like uh, you know you got to follow some other laws he's like no this is not good it's not good for you it's not for your it's not good for your world it's not good for your society uh no you want justice mercy and faithfulness uh that yes we want that and and you know at the end of the day it's like okay well you know maybe maybe you uh I don't know, make your own mint tea or something, but um, 
<laughs> you contrast this though with Paul's view of of stewardship, which is you just give joyfully each one according to to what he's been given, um, and 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 it's just this bigger wonderful picture that Jesus is is painting for all of us. And, and the Pharisees, they say like, well, yeah, we don't want to do that. We're just going to do the little things. It's fine. You know? Mm. And, 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 and like you said, it, it, it goes down to the faith, the faithfulness, the faith aspect that the widows might, I think is a great example. Like, Oh, so I have to give everything. Okay. All right. She gave in faith. The other guy gave, you know, just because, and she gave in joy, and 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 he did not, and that goes with this too. Is like, oh, let me show you this. You can smell this. You can see this. And the whole time, what you're missing is faith. And I think the next few verses really kind of unpack this even more, even more as we go to 25. I'll read through 28. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outside appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness." I think both those woes really connect well together. We have about eight minutes left in our time. So let's take a few minutes on these verses. What do you got? Yeah. <clears throat> it, uh, well, first off, the word hypocrite is just a, it's another Greek word that just means uh, actor, basically someone who's wearing a mask. Um, and you think about that and you're like, huh? Okay. So they are, they're just pretending they're just, they're just acting. Um, again, they want to look good on the outside and don't really care what's going on the, on the inside. Um, and it's, it's awful. Um, they're like, well, I just, we just make sure the outside is clean. Right. Um, it, so the whitewashed tombs, you know, it's such a, it's such a vivid picture of this. So, before the Passover in, in Jerusalem, where all these people are, by the way, um, and some of them maybe have already done this, uh, you, you basically clean the outside of the tombs and, and uh, cover them with uh, lime and, and make them, you, you demark where the tombs are so that people don't touch them uh, in order to not be defiled so that they can still celebrate oh. the Passover. And so they've seen this. All these people see this out there, and maybe they've even done it, and they know what's going on. Um, so, yeah, again, we we have to be very careful um, that we are not just doing these things in order to be seen by others, right? Uh, because uh, I am dead inside, you know. Mm. I was I was born that way. Uh, but the lord has come to me and has has given me a clean heart he has taken out my old dead heart of stone and given me his own heart of flesh the lord has come to me and he's given me life a new life and holy baptism Uh, he's actually he's done all these things and and this is interesting too that i mean the sacraments don't actually look that important most of the time I don't know if you've ever been like 
I don't know, disappointed at a, at a, a baptism or something just by kind of how fast it can go. Um, I, one of my, um, this one I love yeah. dearly here. Um, he, I baptized him in a, in a Creek here. There was still snow on the ground, mind you. And, uh, but we had read the Didache where it says to, to baptize in cool flowing water. Now that water may be like 32 degrees. Uh, it'll still work. But, uh, but it was, we had this whole big thing where we went over to the, the Creek and, and then, and then it's done in an instant, you know, it's, right. it goes it. so quickly. <laughs> and then like, what do we have to look at in the Lord's supper? And what do you have to look at in the words of absolution? There's not a whole lot there. You know, we kind of dress things up, but it, it, there it is. It doesn't even look all that glorious on the outside yet. This is how the Lord is giving us uh, eternal life. This is how he is uh, washing our, our insides, um, not even our, our, our outsides. Um, it's not rem- removing the, the dirt from our flesh, uh, but it's, it's cleaning our, our souls and, and bestowing these wonderful gifts to us. So outwardly, the sacraments appear oh, foolish to the world, mm-hmm. um, but they are the, the truest things that we have in this world. And so as you look at this, Pastor, it reminds me of something that the church traditionally has done, at least at least within the hymnals that I've, I've worked with. I don't know the whole history, but when we give communion, not, excuse me, when we have an offering, often we will sing, create in me a clean heart, O God. Um, or before we go communion, create in me a clean heart, O God. And it's just that reminder continuously that we need a new heart. And he's telling the Pharisees, once again, hypocrite, you're being an actor. You're not being real. Your, your, your insides have not changed. And with that, we obviously see throughout the book of Matthew, this understanding that the insides can be changed by me. I'm the one who does this. I'm the one who changes hearts and I'm the one who will go and die for you. So let's, we have about four minutes left in our time. So I'll read the rest and we'll wrap things up. Verse 29. In case you're wondering, the word hypocrite comes up again. Verse 29, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore, I send you prophets and the wise men and the scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some of you will flog in your synagogues and persecute them from town to town, so that you may come all righteousness, blood shed on earth from the blood of the innocent Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Bechariah, whom you murder between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. And Jesus then says, Amen. Pastor, in about a minute and a half, uh, give us the rundown in verses 29 through 36. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is, again, this is shocking. And, and they're like, yeah, so we're going to decorate the tombs of these guys. And you know what? If if we'd have been here, we wouldn't have done what, they, what, what was done to them. Of course, we would have listened to them. But mm-hmm. then Jesus even says, like, hey, look, I've been sending you guys um, prophets. And, and he will send 
the apostles. That's what the word apostle means. It just means someone who is sent. Uh, and, and they are sent to Pharisees, to scribes, to Jews and Gentiles alike, to the whole entire world. And, and what, what comes of both of them? Oh, crucifixion, the slaughter and, and murder. And I mean, it's just amazing that the Lord is not restricting salvation. He's, he just isn't. It is given to the whole entire world. Their sound has gone out to all the earth. Okay. Uh, the word of God has gone out to all the earth. And, you know, if you hear it today, <laughs> repent and believe it. Uh, this is the good news of the forgiveness of your sins and Jesus Christ. Uh, repent and believe it. And, and it, it seems impossible, doesn't it? And yet, does not Jesus have Pharisees even among his disciples? Does not he come to St. Paul, the Pharisee of Pharisees, and, and change even him? It is not hopeless uh, with, with Jesus. Um, he has come to you. Pastor, we have 30 seconds left on our time. How would you summarize our text and encourage our listeners? Well, I mean, repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Um, it really is. Um, you know, hey, you guys, uh, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, uh, Lutheran pastors, all sorts of people, whoever you are, uh, Jesus has come to you. And, and he really has preached the good news to you. And, uh, and, and he really has conquered death. Uh, you do not um, need to be a child of hell any longer. You are a child of the kingdom of God in Christ Jesus. And this has been given to you. Pastor Kyle Meetsner of Zion Lutheran Church in Anchorage, Alaska, giving us God's strong word from Matthew chapter 23. Pastor Meetsner, uh, happy St. Patrick's Day, and thank you for bringing us his gifts. Thank you. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.